Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out? I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. You had to act <laughs> by the sink a lot. a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right. Doing business constantly. Uh-huh. Mom stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Disciplining you. <laughs> Amazing. In some way. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate Capacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right, it's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out, or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE, or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out.
This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Do you feel it in the air? It is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday on The Jesse Kelly Show. There's no need to rub your temples like that, Chris. It's going to be such a sweet day. (laughs) It's been a long enough week. Uh, China's slapping us around a bit. Joe Biden forgot who he was and where he was again. So, look, we're going to try to stay focused on the important things today, and that is your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I have to answer. Were the people who killed Julius Caesar right? I have to answer about March Madness College Basketball. Are you watching? Should you watch? I'll give you my take on that. My take on historical movies or movies placed in a historical setting. And should you encourage young boys to fight? Ooh, it's going to be a spicy Ask Dr. Jesse Friday today. But first, because I wanted to make sure... Today wasn't too controversial. Let's talk about the Civil War. You know, I love talking about the Civil War. It is, for me, maybe the most fascinating conflict in the history of the world because I'm an American, because it was ugly and wonderful and terrible and awesome and everything all rolled into one. It was... Americans killing Americans, a huge debate, a huge country rift about slavery that finally bubbled up into war, which honestly, 2020 is hindsight, but who couldn't have seen that coming? Some people fighting for what they saw as their way of life. The other, it was just the struggle of it. And I love talking about it because Not a single person listening to my voice right now was alive during the Civil War, and you don't know anybody who was alive during the Civil War. So there's this connection, or this disconnect. There should be, right? There should be. And yet, I will get hate mail and hate voicemails about everything I say about it, and I'm not complaining at all. all. Send them to me. I love them. And uh, to be frank... You're always awesome about it. I'm still laughing about the guy who left the email. He was talking about how great the show was when he had to say something about your garbage Civil War takes. <laughs> There's just no, it, it totally depends on your upbringing. Almost inevitably, it depends on where you were brought up. But if you're from the North, educated in you know the Northern schools from a Northern place, You view the Civil War as stopping slavery in America, and you're not wrong. But if you're in the South, you view the Civil War as uh, we legally seceded, seceded, lawfully seceded, and then you freaking guys invaded our country, and you're not necessarily wrong either. That's why I love talking about it. I see all sides. And I've lived all over the country, so I'm not really regionally affected by it one way or the other. I don't do, as you know, 
unless we're talking about dirtball scumbag communists. I really don't do this is the good guy and this is the bad guy because they're all good and bad. We're all good and bad. I fully acknowledge I'm mostly bad. You're probably mostly good, but you got some bad in there. Period. End of story. Now, where are we talking about today in the Civil War? It's 1864. I don't expect you at all to have that number mean anything to you. So don't worry about that. Again, again people murder stories and they murder history by, oh, we're in, we're in July of 1925, as if that means something to me. Give me some context to it. That's just the date. Unless I just read it, that doesn't mean anything. Here's what you need to know so far about the Civil War. This is fairly deep into the Civil War. The Civil War was fought in the South for the most part up to this point. And Robert E. Lee and Robert E. Lee's fantastic generals had spent a lot of time beating the living crap out of the North at this point. But Robert E. Lee had taken a humongous gamble and it flamed out in his face when he marched an army into the north and lost that famous battle of Gettysburg. We did a show on Gettysburg a few weeks back. Fascinating battle. So now Lee is on the defensive. This war has absolutely turned by this point. Frankly, it doesn't look like a Southern victory of any kind is possible. Maybe you can have some kind of negotiated peace if you're the South, and that's really what they were going for by now. But you're not invading the North again, and the North is coming your way. Now, that sounds like a dire situation for the South, and it certainly was a dire situation for the South. But the North... They're in a really dire situation, too. And here's the part of whenever we do battle history or war history, we probably don't talk enough about this because we're always limited for for time. And I want to get to the stories of the day and get to everything else. But there's a political side, an unsexy, ugly political side to all warfare, all of it. And this is not unique at all to America. But Hannibal Barca, when he was fighting the Romans, is constantly going back to the Senate in Carthage. Send reinforcements. Send help. I need help. Why aren't you sending? And the Senate's haggling internally and politically. Well, should we? Well, he should do the best with what he has. And that's just the history of warfare. What's going on now? May of 1864 is where we are. This is a presidential election year. November cometh, and that right soon. And here's the situation for the North. Yeah, if they continue the war, they're going to win the war. You just have a spirit right now of we will not give up, keep fighting. Eventually, the South is simply going to run out of stuff. Their economy, as you know, was a fraction the size of the North. You're going to win. Just keep fighting, and you're going to win. But... People in the North were beginning to get tired of the war. They were beginning to lose faith because the South had had a lot of victories. The North really needed that victory in Gettysburg because the South had had a lot of them. And 
this presidential election, Abraham Lincoln's on the ballot for re-election. If Abraham Lincoln loses re-election, he will absolutely lose re-election to a man who's going to end the war, which means, frankly, Southern victory. The South is going to remain the South, and the North is going to remain the North if Abraham Lincoln loses that war. So there's a huge political thing going on. If you're the North, it's not enough. That, look, uh, look, two, three years, let's just hold out, fight some more battles, and we're going to do fun. No, 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 no. The public needs something. Show me something. I got to have something. If the public does not get something, then Abraham Lincoln is not going to win. And they know he's in dire straits by now of losing. And if Abraham Lincoln doesn't win, war ends. South wins. A very, very political thing. And Abraham Lincoln has a man now by the name of Ulysses S. Grant. Both sides, it should be noted, are well aware of how political this election is, especially, or this campaign is, especially for the North. Robert E. Lee is no dummy. He has has written notes. His generals have written notes. Lincoln's election's coming up. We can win this thing. We're going to try to get through this history story, and then who was right in assassinating Caesar? Hang on. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. I loved dipping tobacco. I still love it if we're being honest. I don't do it anymore, but you put a can of it in front of me, I'd probably put a little dip in. So as somebody who loved it, I needed help to quit. And I did every stupid thing you could possibly do. I know you're going to find that shocking to help myself quit. Bags and bags of sunflower seeds, chewing on four or five pieces of gum until my jaw felt like it was going to fall off. I actually mixed in, I'm ashamed to say this, smoking to try to quit dipping. It was that bad. Look, Jake's mint chew is what works because it's healthy, no nicotine, no tobacco, no sugar even. It's healthy and it gives you a transition keeping something in that lip. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. I get you 20% off. Jesse Kelly returns next. When President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, we're in trouble. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I have some news about today. Normally, I have two guests on every single show Monday through Thursday. On Fridays, 
I have one. Friday is such a big day. There are so many questions. I have one guest on Fridays. I don't think I'm going to have a guest today. I think we have too many. Chris, I feel like we have too many Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I feel like it just today needs to be about me. Don't you? What, Chris? It should be. It's as every day should be. <laughs> oh, man, I have made the uh, social justice warriors of sports super angry. Sports Illustrated, USA Today, they're all so mad at me. <laughs> I'll get to that here in a few. But back to the Civil War first. This is an election campaign. Grant, he must now go south. He has to go Put W's on the board, yes, to win the war, but also because Abraham Lincoln has to win an election or this war ends for the North. Like I said, Lee and his boys are well aware of that. They want to make sure Grant, Lee does, he wants to make sure Grant is attacking fortified positions. Why? Because by now, Ulysses S. Grant has about twice as many people as Lee does. He just has the numbers advantage. But it's easier to be on defense than on offense. So Lee's strategy is let's make him attack fortified cities, fortified positions in the country, wherever we've dug in, let's make him come at us. And because most Americans are raised and educated about the Civil War, and it gets boiled down to one four-word sentence, they don't really realize something. The the, the four-word sentence everybody understands, or most Americans are taught, is North good, South bad, which is such a stupid way to look at a very, very complicated affair. But because that's what you're taught, We're not fully appreciative of how huge Robert E. Lee was at this exact time because he's reviled by at least half the country now. Robert E. Lee, whatever you think about him, that does not matter. I'm not your mommy. I'm your daddy. I'm telling you how it is. Robert E. Lee was an international celebrity by now as far as a general goes. He was obviously, as you know, because you listen to this show, he was asked by Lincoln to lead the the Northern Army. That's how well thought of this guy was. He refuses. He hated it. Decided he could not fight against his home state, which he considered his home country, as many did back then, of Virginia. Chooses to lead the Army of Northern Virginia instead. And, of course, obviously ends up leading the entire rebel force. So he was a legend going into this. Everybody revered Robert E. Lee. Now, by this point in the war, like I said, he's known around the globe as the guy who's performing miracles, winning battles he shouldn't win. Bold, smart, honorable Robert E. Lee. He is a legend in the Union Army as well. So much of a legend that Ulysses S. Grant, to his credit, has to start tamping that down. At one point during this battle, Grant loses it on his subordinates, who are talking about Lee's going to do this and Lee's going to do that, and Grant loses his mind. Essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, essentially says, 
Shut up about Robert E. Lee. He's not some god. Don't kick his rear end. Lee is a legend. Grant was the man to lead the charge right now because Grant didn't care about that. Grant was a tenacious, awesome leader of men. Aggressive. He didn't care about legend. He wanted to win. And Grant, because of his invasion of the South, and because of the lessons they'd learned so far in the war, had remade the Union Army. Smart generals set aside all that schooling and learn on the fly. What was Grant learning? Well, it's, this is going to sound awfully familiar because these were some of the lessons the World War I generals had to learn early on. Ulysses S. Grant was learning cavalry. Yeah, they certainly had a place at this point in time, valuable, but not as valuable as they used to be. Not nearly as valuable as they used to be. They get cut down too fast. The horses aren't bulletproof. He was also learning he had an artillery advantage over the South. And this whole artillery thing, it's not as if cannons hadn't been around, but they're getting better and better and better. This artillery thing, hugely, hugely significant. Battle-changing significance. So what the North had, because they were worried about a Southern invasion of the North, and rightfully so, the South had just tried it, the North had these fortified positions up North of totally peaceful cities, but they had gigantic cannons set up around them in order to defend the city. Grant looks around and says, well, we just whipped him at Gettysburg. He doesn't have the men to invade the North again. Get those freaking guns and the units who man the guns away from the cities and down here with us. We need him on the battlefield. Grant brings him down to the battlefield. He knows he outnumbers Lee by a lot. He also, because of that, will no longer exchange prisoners with the South. Grant is, and in some circles still thought of, Grant was and is thought of as being inhumane because of how he invaded the South and because of things like no more prisoner exchange. Prisoner exchange was the norm up to this point in time. Oh, okay, you know, you give me 20 of yours, I'll give you 20 of mine kind of a thing. Grant said, well, we have the numbers. Why would I give you any men back? No, you can keep our men. I'm not giving you any, uh, any other men you can use to fight me with. They begin to march south. They end up in Virginia. This is called the Battle of the Wilderness. And you need to understand that this area... It was thick. And you almost need to think of it like jungle. Thick, dense woods. So dense, you couldn't see. At various points in this battle, the soldiers on both sides were shooting each other on accident. Union soldiers were shooting Union soldiers. Southern soldiers were shooting Southern soldiers. At one point, the officers are so lost, they can't tell where the battle is. They're sitting in the woods using a compass to figure out which way to shoot and move. It's that bad. It's that thick. And tell me this wouldn't be the creepiest thing in the world. This battle is taking place at the exact same spot of another famous Civil War battle that took place the year before. It's called Chancellorsville. This is the battle where Stonewall met his end. 
And because this battle's taking place at Chancellorsville, there's one of those little terrible things about combat that pops up out of nowhere. And I, I'll be honest, I know it's weird. This is the part of the story that stuck out to me. Tell me this wouldn't be the creepiest thing ever. You want to know what it is? Hang on. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. have a child care provider not sure whether she should encourage young boys to fight <laughs> in case you're wondering just how spicy the jesse kelly show is going to be today remember 877-377-4373 jesse at jessekellyshow.com you can find me on social media at jesse kelly dc on instagram twitter Facebook, and I'm on Locals. Remember, Locals is the one I can't be kicked off of. I will be off the others soon. The Union Army beds down in the wilderness at the place of the battle Chancellorsville that took place a year before. Well, war is horrible. This is not news. The Civil War was just extra, extra horrible. This is also not news. And part of war is what to do with the corpses. Well, this is, in general, a Christian nation, especially at this point in time, and Christian tradition is burial. Everyone, everyone has their own traditions, and I've never been one to really care about it. I'm, you can chuck my body in the ditch when I'm done with it. But traditionally, that does matter to a lot of people. Chris, are you a what-happens-to-my-body-after-death after guy? Okay, Chris says his family does cremation, but he really doesn't care. I don't care either, but I'm not dismissing it if you do care. That's very important to a lot of people, and it was very, very important to the country then, so you wanted to bury these guys. Only you don't, you don't have the facilities. You oftentimes don't have the time. 
to cart all these guys back to their hometown with a nice tombstone on the family farm. It just doesn't exist. So you bury them where they died. Or you gather them up in a field close by and bury them where they died. And don't think for a second you're burying them all six feet underground with a nice tombstone either. You scrape some dirt away, drop them in there, throw some dirt on it, say a prayer for them, and walk away. That sounds ugly and cold. Oftentimes that's all you've got. The Union Army beds down in one of these grave sites. And it starts to rain. The Union Army wakes up and they're looking at skulls and bones of the men who died on this battlefield the year before. Multiple, many of them wrote about it, of how completely disconcerting this was. And how much would that affect you? And sometimes there's more than one per grave. You're looking, you wake up and you're wet. And looking at the bones around you. Now, the battle almost happens by accident for the Union. It was not an accident for Lee. General Grant was trying to get around this thick set of woods because he knew the woods would give Lee an advantage. Grant had the numbers. He wanted to get out in the open and fight Lee out there where you can swarm him and surround him and flank him. Lee, no dummy, knows this as well. He's trying to get close. He's trying to press. So he does press, and he essentially runs into a Union army. Pow! The battle begins. Lee and Grant go at it the first day. It's confusing. This general's sending his men here, and that general's sending his men there, and I'm not going to go over the details of the battle because... It's way too much to handle, and it gets terrible. And I, I, I probably listened or watched five different things on this and read three different articles on it, and all of it is. And then the Ninth Corps circles around the Sixth Corps flank with the First Division, and, and I'm, my eyes are glazed over. So I'm not doing that to you. Just know they clashed on the first day. The losses were extremely heavy on both sides on the first day. And this is the this is where Lee makes a critical, you could call it a mistake, but I understand it. At the end of the first day, they kind of retire to their areas, and Grant digs in. Lee's men are exhausted. Lee wants them to dig in, but he's expecting reinforcements from his guy Longstreet. And he says, my men are too tired. Digging in is exhausting. If you've never dug a, dug a fighting hole, you don't realize how tiring it is. Let them sleep. Longstreet will be here in the morning. Longstreet doesn't get there in the morning. And Grant attacks again. And now it's getting really, really, really bloody. Because this is the era where warfare starts to turn into what World War I would become. This is the era where they're not marching in lines at each other anymore. They were at the beginning of this war. By now, they're digging trenches. Why are they digging trenches? Because the old muskets they were firing didn't have rifling in the barrel. I don't expect you to know what that is unless you're a firearm person. Just know an old musket would have had a smooth barrel. You look down, it would have been smooth and shiny. The newer ones had rifling in it that essentially make the ball that comes out of it 
or later kind of a football-shaped thing that comes out of it, but it made it turn. It made it spin, which makes them absurdly more accurate, giving it absurdly more range. That's a long, fancy way of saying the rifles were flat-out better by now, and to march in a line was to die. And they're running into this humongous loss of life, and it is just, it's a three-day battle where 11,000 rebels die, 17,000 Union guys die. I will, I will spoil it for you because I want to wrap this up. At the end, it doesn't really end with a victory for either side. They just kind of disengage. Grant could afford to lose 17,000. Lee really couldn't afford to lose 11, but it's not like Lee lost this one. He does lose other ones. He doesn't lose this one. No one really does. But the part of the battle, and this is heavy, this is, this is the part that sticks out for me the most, is, you know that rain that happened? Well, this is still the spring. It dried out really, really fast, very, very fast. And remember how it was thick, thick woods, leaves, underbrush everywhere? During these battles, these huge engagements where thousands of men are going down and things like that, you have people who are wounded all over the battlefield. And as we've talked about a thousand times, you don't stop like in the movies and take care of every wounded man and get him to the back. When you're in the middle of it, you have to leave him there lots of the time. And sometimes, sometimes you're leaving them there overnight. You can't get back to them. You just leave them there. And it's awful. It's horrible. Well, these are black powder weapons, cannonballs, muskets, thick forest. And it's really, really dry. And the fires start. And the men are laying around with broken legs, guts hanging out on both sides. And now you have forest fires all around you. And there are stories out there about nighttime, men dug into the trenches, the trenches catching on fire and having to leave it, and men dug into the trenches, listening to their buddies, hundreds of them burned to death out in front of their lines. Stories of their men who were laying there wounded. It's almost too horrible to imagine trying to brush the leaves away from them as best they can with whatever working limbs they have so the leaves don't catch fire and burn them. Stories of men committing suicide as the fire approaches so they don't have to die that way. I just want you to remember this. Before we get to all the fun questions and everything else on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, and it's going to be a blast, I want you to remember this. Be careful how much you pine for civil war. Let's just have a civil war. Let's get a civil war done and get it over with. Let's not do that. Let's do everything in our power to win this another way and not ever have to do that. It's time to have some fun on an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Hang on. to the Jesse Kelly show. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. 
Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I feel like we should address the elephant in the room dust up before I get into the ask Dr. Jesse questions since Sports Illustrated's mad and USA Today's mad and I made everybody mad again. <laughs> so it's the Jesse Kelly show. It's me, Dr. Jesse here on a Friday. As you know, I'm going to get into your questions. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We're going to get into your questions. We're going we're gonna to solve all the world's problems, current and historical. But first, I wake up this morning and I see, I see this. It's a woman's college basketball player. There's a WNBA player. And... She gets on there, and she has some things to say about the weight facilities. Her name is Sedona Price. She plays for Oregon. Please listen to me. Do not get on social media and blast this one. I'm not trying to mob her. I just thought it would be fair to give her credit for what she said, but I don't need, I don't, I don't need you to mob somebody on my behalf. It's fine. She didn't say anything to me anyway. But, of course, because this is the modern day, Everybody has to be oppressed and nobody can be grateful at all. So she's apparently, apparently there's a woman's March Madness going on right now, which I I just recently found out that even existed, but she's unhappy with the weight facilities they've been provided versus the one the men were provided. I got something to show y'all. So for the NCAA March Madness, the biggest tournament in college basketball for women, this is our weight room. Now, when pictures of our weight room got released versus the men's, the NCAA came out with a statement saying that it wasn't money, it was space that was a problem. Let me show y'all something else. Here's our practice court, right? And then here's that weight room. And then here's all this extra space. If you aren't upset about this problem, then you're a part of it. Yeah. Let's let's just address what I said, and I'm not in any way sorry for anything I said, and I'm going to say it again on nationally syndicated radio. You're in women's college basketball. You do know most college sports lose money for the university. They are money losers. Football is hugely profitable. 
There are some men's basketball uh programs that are profitable, but even lots of men's basketball sports aren't profitable, but overall men's basketball is profitable. Other than that, virtually all sports, men and women lose money. There's some men's baseball teams that actually make some money too, but you get what I'm saying. College basketball for women is a money hemorrhage for universities. You, that beautiful $100,000, $200,000 college scholarship you have is a money hemorrhage for the university. You should be a grateful human being that you go to college for free to play a sport that doesn't make a dime for the university. And are you ready for this? I don't care how offended you are. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You're not getting treated equally because you're not equal. Equality is a myth. You're not equal. The worst player in the NBA doesn't make the same amount as LeBron James. The backup quarterback for the Raiders doesn't make the same amount of money as Tom Brady. Why? Because they're not equal. If you're in women's college basketball, people barely know your sport exists. Men's Men's college basketball is gigantic, hugely important. You're not equal. You will never be equal. You're not as athletic because you're biologically not as strong. Doesn't mean you're a worse person. Doesn't mean you're a better person. It does mean... You ain't worth as much, so you ain't going to get as good as stuff. I, I drove a, what, five-year-old? I drove a five-year-old pickup truck to work today. Nothing wrong with it in the world. Rush Limbaugh, rest his soul, when he was traveling out of town, he had a professional driver take him to where a luxury private jet was waiting. Why? Because we ain't equal. That's why. And you know what's wrong with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm grateful to have a five-year-old functioning pickup truck with a working air conditioning and a radio that gets me to and from the studio every day. I don't look at Rush Limbaugh hopping on a private jet and think, that's not equal. This is garbage. I think, oh, that's pretty cool. I'd like to fly on a private jet. Maybe one day. Who knows? There is such a spirit of ungratefulness in this country. I have no, it is this, this sick cultural Marxist disgusting crap drives me crazy. Here's all the things I don't have. Here's all the oppression I've suffered. Here's here's that you play college basketball on a full ride scholarship. Other people graduate college college and they owe 50, 75, 100 grand. You graduate college debt free for a sport no one cares about. Spend your time on your knees thanking God that you have such a charitable nation. I had to get that off my chest. Hang on. I used to hate being told you need to be you need to be proactive with your health. You need to be more proactive. I, I'd roll my eyes, especially as a young man. Oh, I'm ten feet tall and bulletproof. I don't don't tell me that. 
you change your tune when family members start having heart problems, when family members start having blood pressure problems. You, you start thinking, wow, maybe I should take some steps now so they're not cutting my heart open soon. And I have to do certain things. Part of my routine for my life, and I would recommend you make it part of yours too, is eating two Super Beats heart chews every single day. It's certainly no burden. They taste great, and it's a natural way to be proactive about your health. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags, get the third free. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It is time to lay aside this this childish notion of equality. We are not equal. One man is not equal to another man. Women are not equal to men. Men are not equal to women. Equality is a complete myth. We are equal in the eyes of God, and that's where it stops. Grow up. Let's not live in this childish world of make-believe. Be serious. You're welcome to send in your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. I read every single one of them. They all go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them off. I read them all. I'm not going to respond. I get way too many. You send it, though, I'm going to read it. All right, we are going two straight hours, guest-free. Ask Dr. Jesse. Let's roll. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. And at the top of the second half, it's 16 to 9. Easton leads the scoring with four. And that's why she commands $7,000 a year. These gals sure do make it look difficult. But is having this minor skill worth being so unattractive? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! <laughs> Chris, that's not right. That's not right. That was, that was a clip from Family Guy, and I do not support it at all. It is time. Are you ready? Can you feel it in your bones? Let us begin and ask Dr. Jesse Friday here on the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, we have a guest coming up next hour. Oh, no, we don't. <laughs> guest free today. It's all about me. 
Dear Oracle and future Sombrero King, I have a question about Julius Caesar. Do you believe the conspirators were right to assassinate him? I have always fallen on Caesar's side and despised the conspirators. I just recently rewatched HBO's Rome series and I hate them even more. To me, they are the swamp and Trump is like Caesar and they character assassinated him every day for four years straight. I also recently learned that most of the conspiring senators did not stab Caesar at all, but many rubbed his blood on their hands to take credit and some stabbed his dead corpse. Today's politicians are still exactly the same as these shameless cowards. Some things never change. All right. The assassination of Julius Caesar. Who were the good guys? Who were the bad guys? One, rooting for Julius Caesar and thinking badly of the assassins is the normal way to feel. And it's not for political reasons. It's because Julius Caesar was a great man. I don't mean good man. I don't mean good, moral, good guy. I don't do that. I'm talking about great man. Remember, he had an IQ genius level. Possibly the greatest general ever to live. He was an excellent poet. He, the dude was just maybe the most talented person to ever walk the planet. He was so incredible. He was magnetic. Remember that Julius Caesar story I told you? I'm going to tell it again, even though everybody knows it who listens to my show by now. When he was, I believe he was 18, he was a very young man. Julius Caesar was taken captive by pirates and held hostage for a ransom. He asked them how much the ransom is, and he's beyond offended. They're asking for such a small amount of money, saying he's worth much more. He demands they raise the ransom amount for his release. He then began singing and reciting poetry to them. They're screaming at him to shut up. He then tells them when he gets released, he's going to come back and crucify them all. And they loved him for it. In the end, they laughed together. He ends up getting the ransom raised. He gets released. He does not run back home to mommy and tell her about his terrible ordeal. He simply goes right up the coast raises an army, goes right back, and crucifies every single one of them. That dude is a boss. And because of that, virtually everybody roots for Caesar. Virtually, even if you're not a, you know, Julius Caesar guy, you're all, ah, I can't believe they got, I can't believe they did Caesar like that. Plus, assassination with the exception of Reinhard Heinrich and guys like that, assassination in general, you're not rooting for the assassin. The assassin, you're murdering somebody. As some, you're murdering somebody with daggers on the Senate floor. It's not good. But let's, let's take the great man part of it out of it, which is impossible to do, but let's take that part of it out of it because he's asking who was right and who was wrong. Well, Julius Caesar had just essentially eliminated the Roman Republic. That's all Rome had really ever been since pretty much its beginning. A republic, not a monarchy. That's what everybody was so mad about. Julius Caesar took over and just made himself dictator, emperor, made himself in charge of everything. So in a vacuum like that, you would say the assassins are the good guys. 
However, there's an important piece of this pie. The assassins were trying to keep things the way they had been. But things had rotted out so bad in Rome that the middle class had been run out of Rome. They were all poor people now. The veterans weren't getting taken care of. It was a situation where all the rich people were now uber wealthy. The middle class was going extinct. And there was nothing but uber wealthy people, slaves, and poor Romans. So the assassins couldn't keep Rome as a just society. That's why Caesar was able to rise in popularity and take over. The answer to your question is, yes, Julius Caesar was the good guy. And I know this is going to sound terrible, but I'm terrible, therefore I'm allowed to sound terrible. Sometimes a tyrant is necessary. We don't ever want it, right? You shouldn't ever want to live under tyranny. That's just not something you should really root for. However, when you get to a place where your democratically elected system is so corrupt and so manipulated, you can get to a place, and I'm not saying we're there. I just, I'm, I'm not saying that, so don't put words in my mouth. You can get to a place where you can't vote your way out of it anymore. And if you can't vote your way out of it, then you need somebody or somebody's to step in, step up, take over, and seize the reins and make wrongs right. That's just the truth. That's the history of the world. I, and what's ugly about this is, as I've warned a thousand times, shoot, I'm trying to warn the left and the right. If the left does not stop its radicalism, if they don't stop their violence, if they don't stop their everyone on the right is a Nazi rhetoric, if they don't stop the complete injustice of, you know, these rioters get let go. Oh, you were at the Capitol. You're going to jail for life. If that stuff doesn't stop, you 100% are going to get a tyrant rise on the right. There is already an appetite for it. People will choose the person who will protect them and their way of life. Protection is number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Everything else is secondary. There is a view, and rightfully so, on the right, that this weaponized left is now out to fully destroy everything you love, value, and care about. The right will choose somebody who claims they're going to stop them. Whatever else he claims, they will choose that person. Within 10 years, I mean, shoot, maybe next year, but within 10 years, people on the right will happily nominate somebody who will run for office claiming he's going to jail journalists in America. Sounds radical? You bet. It is radical. Sounds terrible? It is terrible. And you know how much I hate journalists. But it's coming. And when I say this stuff, people think I'm cheering for it. I'm not cheering for it. But the history of the world tells me it's coming. The left is not slowing down. They're not backing off. They're not self-assessing and thinking this has gone too far. They're looking around and thinking 
this hasn't gone far enough. We haven't censored enough. We haven't imprisoned enough. We haven't hurt the people on the right enough. Clearly, they need to be hurt more. And I'm telling you, that ends with a tyrant every single time. All right. Speaking of March Madness, am I going to watch? Should you watch? Hang on. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. We are having a guest Free Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And before I forget, the entire show is podcasted on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. When you go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. I haven't looked in a few days. I'm sure Chris is going to look. I'm sure we have new ones, and they make me laugh every single time. Now, all right, before we get back to the questions, this part doesn't make me laugh. And we've edited out portions of this because portions of it are in Mandarin, and I would be willing to bet not many people speak Mandarin, although maybe we should all learn at this point. But Joe Biden had some representatives go to Alaska and have a little public summit with the Chinese. Now, I want you to ask you, I want to ask you something. Who's been the one telling you that the civil rights groups and the feminist groups and the environmental groups and the LGBTQ whatever groups, they're all just communist front groups? None of them were, don't get me wrong, there are a bunch of morons who follow those groups and think that they're doing right by whatever their cause is, but they're really just communist front groups doing the work of the American communists and the Democratic Party and the Chinese communists, just doing their work to bring down the country. How long have I been telling you that? Well, listen to this little exchange Biden's people have with China. We'll also discuss our deep concerns with actions by China, including in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the United States, economic coercion toward our allies. 
Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order that maintains global stability. Well, you can't blame this problem on somebody else. I have to tell you, what I'm hearing is very different from what you described. Uh, I'm hearing deep satisfaction that the United States is back, that we're re-engaged with our allies and partners. I'm also hearing deep concern about some of the actions your government is taking. Well, I think we thought too well of the United States. We thought that the U.S. side will follow the necessary diplomatic protocols. So for China, it was necessary that we make our position clear. So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. <laughs> Look, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. Am I saying the entire Democratic Party and all these civil rights, feminists, environmentalists, all these front groups are working hand in hand with the Communist Party of China? No. But let me do let me clarify. Some of them absolutely are. China 100% funds, funnels money, funnels people into some of these groups. So some of these followers are well-meaning. Some of these followers are actually communist Chinese. But what you have is they're all marching towards the same goal. That goal is to bring America to its knees. And they're all marching it towards that goal because they've all been trained that America is an evil place. If you begin with that frame of mind, you are ripe for communist influence. And rest assured, that's why I scream about the communist education system in this country so, so much. Your child in government schools is being prepared like this from a very, very early age. You will find out when your child goes to history class, when they do their American history class, and you do a little experiment for me. Go look at the amount of time your child spends on the different parts of American history. I've done this before, and I've had the emails to back it up from teachers and students alike. Emails that say, well, we, we learned about what we did to the Native Americans, and then, of course, we learned about slavery, and then we learned about all the Jim Crow civil rights stuff, and then we wrapped it up. Oh, we spent a day or two on the Constitution, and then we spent nine weeks with a verbal presentation on slavery. They're not outright teaching your child. They're not standing up at the front of the child saying, your country sucks. It's evil. But deep down, that's what they think, and that's how they present the country. And what that's doing is just planting seeds and planting seeds and planting seeds so your child, by the time they graduate high school at 18, doesn't think he lives in a very good place. Maybe he's not a communist yet, but this place kind of sucks. And then he goes off to college, and he finds out about a better way. He finds out about being an activist and doing what we can to right these wrongs and change the past and hurting these people and hurting those people. And I'm going to hurt men because of all the oppression men have done to women. And you know what? Screw white people, too. They're evil. And your child is now a cultural Marxist. 
for a $100,000 four-year education that put you or them in debt. Want to give that trade school a second thought? Hi, Jesse. Are you going to talk about not watching March Madness? Or do you think that's assumed by your listeners by now? My understanding is that by supporting the games, we support the schools behind the teams. Those schools are responsible for turning the NFL and NBA into commies. By watching and generating ad money and ratings, we would be giving money to the institutions where this rot started. Full disclaimer, I've never cared about the NCAA anyway. The NFL was way harder to give up. Just wondered if you would mention it since it's a huge cultural event. Oh, I'm not watching. I won't watch a single play. And I have always loved March Madness. And I need to clarify this big time. I'm not telling you not to watch. You fight this cultural battle however you choose. And the reason I'm not telling you not to watch, I would tell you not to watch, except I'm still really far from perfect when it comes to not spending money at this place and making sure I spend money at that place. I'm trying to improve every day. I just can't. Look, I'm a horrible person. I just can't get on here and lie to you. Oh, I've totally cut out all the money I spend at this store or that website or this here. Now it's only American made and small business. Eh, Not true. Now I'm a lot better than I was even a year ago. And I'm, I'm working towards it. I'm trying. But because I fail, I'm not in a position to point fingers at you. It's why I've never pointed fingers really about anything. I just don't, I don't do it because I'm so bad at so much. What am I going to do? Tell you, uh, you need to stop drinking. Why? I, I, not only, I not only drink, I've struggled with it in the past. I mean, drank way too much. Uh, don't, you ever, uh, don't you ever do drugs? I've done drugs. I'm, what, am I supposed to point at you now and act like you're a bad person for it? Now, listen, if you're struggling with any of this stuff, there's no shame in it. Go get your daggone self some help. Get yourself some help, as, as you should. Oh, you're a bad parent. Shoot. I've had these moments before. My oldest son, super sensitive type, and, and a bit of an oddball, just a weird kid. He's awesome. I, I wouldn't change him, but a different kid. I've had moments where I get frustrated, snap at him, just ruin the entire rest of his day because I couldn't check my temper. You want to feel about half an inch high? Go ahead and look at your son's eyes filling up with tears because you were a jerk. So I don't get to point fingers at anybody for anything. You're Nobody's worse than me. Bad husband, bad father, bad this, bad that. Nobody's worse than me. But, no, I'm not watching March Madness. No, what? we don't buy Nike in my house. Never will. Yeah, we cancel this service or that service. We do. It's time to be more purposeful. I'm done funding people who hate me. All right, it's historical movie time. Hang on. One forty-five over ninety-two. One eighty over one eleven. One hundred and eighty-two over a hundred, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand 
including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Well, it has occurred to me now, thanks to Jewish producer Chris, that I must update the masses on something apparently people are unaware of. Give me a moment. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. As you know, this is a deadly serious show where it's very somber and sober We tackle the hard issues of the day. And so when it's a commercial, you're sitting there waiting for the show to come back. Jewish producer Chris and I are tackling some hard issues and doing some prep work. So he was talking about this Latina girlfriend he used to have, which is weird, by the way. Is there a Jewish-Latina crossover? Is that a big thing? I did not see that. Yeah, there's not. That's got to be nicely done, Chris. That a boy. Anyway. Apparently his girlfriend's father was big on making his own homemade whipped cream, which I would highly recommend. Homemade whipped cream is shockingly easy and so much better. And he brought up how this dude would put bourbon, good bourbon, in the whipped cream. I am here to tell you, because it occurred to me how many people don't know about this. Bourbon is such an absurdly good ingredient in so many desserts that I've had. If you see anything with a a bourbon glaze, bourbon whipped cream, I don't know what it is. And don't do the, I hate whiskey. No, hear me out. When it's mixed in with all the sugars and everything else, bourbon, oh gosh. In fact, because I know we have so many ladies, and obviously the ladies of our show cook, Chris, Ladies, if you have a recipe that involves bourbon, I want it. Send it to the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And I'm not going to stiff you. If you send us a good one, I will read it out loud on the air so the masses can enjoy it. So remember, they all go to Jewish producer Chris. He'll print them off for me. I will read them out loud. I used to work with this guy, Cliff. I love him. And his wife, HJ, used to. she uh, was a great cook. By the way, I'm not sure if I was supposed to say their names on the air, but there you go. Now they're no nationwide. But she used to make these great desserts. She'd make a pudding for dessert and put a bourbon glaze over the top of this kind of banana vanilla pudding. Oh, gosh. I'm going to need a minute. I'm going to need a minute to process this, Chris. All right. Let's get back to the show. Dr. Jesse, what's your take on historical movies? Historical meaning a movie that takes place during a certain time in history or historical event. Gladiator, Torah, 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 and The Patriot, for example. 
Do you think they are pretty accurate or are they all for entertainment purposes? What do your top three historical movies be that are an accurate representation of the time period or event? First of all, I don't like when people watch historical event movies. You know, I don't like, I shouldn't say I don't like people that do. I don't like watching historical event movies with people who are into history like I am that have to point out all the inaccuracies. Ah, that didn't happen. Ah, it wasn't really this way. Ah, the, ah the, it, it, I don't like it at all I, because it's you're ruining the entertainment factor. I love history, and I think history is very, very, very important. And I personally believe that, and maybe this is just because I'm biased, I personally believe everyone loves history. And if you don't think you do, it's just because you haven't found the part of history that interests you yet. You don't have to love the same kinds of history or parts of history that I do about explorers and battles and wars and mafia and, and all these. Things. You don't have to love that part of it. It's a very, I realize that's a very probably uh, dude-centered version of history. There's, there's, a, there's the history of languages. There's the history of everything. I believe that everybody loves it. If you don't think you love it, it's just because you haven't found your thing yet. So I, I believe history is important. I want everyone to love it. Like, I love it because I think I'm the best and I want everyone to be like me. What, Chris? But anyway, so in my opinion, you should watch historical movies that entertain you, and it doesn't matter if it's historically accurate or not. You're still getting history from it. You're still getting accurate, some accurate information from it, even if it's just a little weapon here or a name here or a – getting a better idea of what they wore here. You're getting something of value from it. You don't have to look at it like a documentary. I say this about books all the time. People will say, well, I don't like to read. No, that's not true. You don't like to read all the things you've already read. There are a million things out there you can read, and you should find whatever you enjoy and read that. I'll tell you. Full disclosure, I read a lot, obviously, to, to prepare for the show, but I am actually not a huge fan of nonfiction books. I'll read sections of them, but uh, you would think that I can sit down and read this uh, read this World War I book for nine hours and just be riveted. It's no. In my opinion, the books especially, they drown you with too many details. It kills the story. I read them and try to pull out what I like. So what do I like to read? Spy novels. Spy novels. A book with a central main character who goes around killing terrorists and stuff like that. Just look, Tom Clancy. Love to read Tom Clancy books. And I have a bunch of other authors I could list. Now, you can look at that and do what Jewish producer Chris is doing right now and shake your head and mock me. However, how much real-world, accurate information can you get from a book like that? A lot. You can learn a lot. A ton from it. You don't have to sit down with this accounting textbook and stuff. Sit down and read what you want. I feel the same way about historical movies. Watch whatever movie based in history you want. 
If you do want, it's funny, it already came up earlier in the show. I swear I didn't even plan that. But look, when you're magical like I am, sometimes magic just comes out of you, Chris. But that show Rome, there's a series on HBO called Rome. It's years old. It might be, it might be a decade or two old by now. It is without question the greatest historical thing I've really seen on television. And no, it's not all accurate, but they hit so many high points and things absurdly accurate. It's only two seasons. You're going to want it to go on forever. It's about Julius Caesar and his rise to power and then his fall and then what happens after his fall and there's Cleopatra and Mark Antony and Octavian and, and all these different characters. However, and I need you to hear me here. As you know, as you're well aware, I do a show you can listen to with your children. I always have. I always will. You're never going to have to reach for the radio because Jesse said something or he's talking about something terrible. I realize it can get a little dark, but sitting there with the 10-year-old, your 10-year-old's always going to be able to listen. You can walk out of the room, and I'm not going to say anything to hurt him. You cannot watch Rome with your kids. You cannot watch Rome with your kids. They threw in a bunch of extras in that series. You hear me? I need you to hear me here. Don't email me next week and say, I watched with my 12-year-old and now he hit puberty. I don't. I don't. Don't. Don't do it. But that would be my number one by a mile. I have to think about my other ones. I love Gladiator as much as the next man. What, Chris? You keep telling me to watch Death of Stalin. I do need to watch Death of Stalin, especially because I'm so obsessed with the Soviet Union. I do need to watch the death of Stalin. All right. Child care provider. Should you tell young boys to fight? Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse, you have to take care of your health. Jesse, you have to take care of your health. I I was told that by so many people in my family, and I never really appreciated why. I I mean, I, I, I was a normal young man like everyone else, and then it started to hit me. Heart problems, blood pressure problems. These are Kelly family problems. So I have to be even more proactive than the regular person at making sure I'm taken care of. Super Beats Heart Shoes will always be part of my daily routine, and you should make them part of yours as well. We're talking about non-GMO beets with grapeseed extract, and I can't emphasize this point enough. They do not taste like beets. They taste delicious. I prefer the pomegranate berry. It's my favorite flavor. Go. GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags, get the third free.
And at the top of the second half, it's 16 to 9. Easton leads the scoring with four. And that's why she commands $7,000 a year. These gals sure do make it look difficult. But is having this minor skill worth being so unattractive? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! <laughs> Stop, Chris. Stop playing that. That's from Family Guy here on the Jesse Kelly Show. Dear Oracle of white people who love tacos, hold on one second. Everybody loves tacos, right? Every single person loves tacos, period, end of story. All right. Back in 2015, I talked about the Straight Outta Compton movie with this Korean guy in college. He said that Asians do not like Ice Cube the rapper, who the movie is partly based on because of a song called Black Korea that came out after the Rodney King beatings and a few months before the riots. Apparently, this led to many black people during the riots targeting Korean-owned businesses and causing a disproportionate amount of damage to Koreatown. The resentment towards what had happened had passed down from this guy's parents to him who were not even alive during the riots. Well, he goes on and explains it, and then he goes into some lyrics, too. And believe me when I tell you I'm not going to be reading those on the air because I feel like getting to do this show again on Monday. But I had asked previously, I had asked why there was ethnic tension between Asians and black people. As we know, there's been a rash of violence uh, where black people are hurting Asians. It's all over the place right now. You can't get any national news on it because of our white guilt media. They're not going to report anything that looks like that. But I wasn't coming at it from anybody's good or bad point of view. As you know, I look at everything historically. I was coming at it as where do these ethnic tensions come from? Ethnic tensions between different groups of people are not nor- are not unusual. It's not like this is something new. That's the entire history of the world. We do history on this show. The history of the world. It's this group's mad at that group, and this group's mad at that group, and they're mad about this, and they're mad about that. So I simply asked where it came from. And I will tell you the two different perspectives I got. I am not black, and I am not Asian. I'm relaying the perspectives I got. Most of this stuff was relayed to me privately, which I love. People are so willing to open up about stuff like this. From multiple black people I know, I got this. That Asians, they open up shops in black communities. And they also, on top of opening up shops in black communities, they treat black people poorly who come in. Highly suspicious of them. Talk down to them. Kick them out of the places. And that this has caused generational resentment. Now, black people look at Asians, any Asian, and think of them as the enemy. This is not universal. I'm relaying what I'm told. And I've been told from the Asians privately that they, yes, they open up shops in black communities. They feel the resentment is the success they've had in those communities has been much greater than the black people have in their own communities And that they look at those people, because I did relay, I said, well, they say they're looked down on when they come in the stores. You're rude to them and kicking them out. And this is private, so there was no animosity. I'm just saying, I'm relaying back and forth. And they said, well, yeah, they're always stealing things. They're They're always doing this. And see, I love these uncomfortable conversations. I will simply say this. I find ethnic tensions fascinating. I don't choose sides. I want to know what's going on. 
We did this when there were all those Orthodox Jews being attacked by the kind of like Black Panther type people in New York City six months ago, a year ago. There were all these videos coming out of black people beating up rabbis and stuff. And I wanted to know, okay, what's going on? Why is this happening? And more than anything else, I will say that because this is really where I'm going to leave it. More than anything else, I will say the same thing to the Asians now who are being attacked, attacked that I said to the Orthodox Jews. And I know this gets uncomfortable. Brother, you have to protect your community. Uh, 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 I, I said it then. I'll say it now. Where were the young Jewish men protecting their community? You have an obligation. Young Asian men, if they're women, if they're old people are being attacked, you have an obligation to protect your community. Chris said roof Korean style. Whatever it is, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. Protect your community. Protect yourself against anybody, period. Period. End of story. Get legally licensed to own a firearm. Carry one everywhere. Carry it often. Do not be prey for anybody and don't think anyone's coming to save you. Young men have an obligation to protect their community. Black, white, Asian, Indian, Mexican, whatever whatever they are. You have an obligation to protect your community and especially your women and your children and your old people. You have an obligation to do so. And I don't want to hear, well, oh, we're too gentle. We're, oh, that's not our way. B.S. Make it your way. You better find a way because no one's coming to help you. Step up and get it done. Step up and get it done. And you know what? I'm not done being uncomfortable just yet on this. Hang on. Let's get offensive. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit dipping tobacco. That's just a fact. It helps. It's a healthy way to do it. And I don't know that I should point you in one direction or the other, but they have not just Long Cut, 11 different flavors of Long Cut, and those are good. They have CBD pouches. And when you're trying to quit dipping, you get a bit of a edge. Is that fair to say? You get a bit of an edge? Well, This helps take that edge off in a healthy way. So if you're trying to quit or if you have a friend or relative who needs to quit, don't point fingers, don't lecture, tell them how gross it is, it's bad for you, blah, blah, blah. They know all that. Give people solutions. Give people Jake's Mint Chew. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code Jesse. That gets you 20% off. Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm also on Locals. That's the place I can't be kicked off of. 
877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. There's no guest coming. There's nothing today coming but me with Ask Dr. Jesse questions. What, Chris? And in wisdom, so much wisdom. I want you to take a moment, Chris, and think about how many complaints we're going to have about the show at the end of the day after the women's basketball stuff and now the, the Asian stuff and the Orthodox Jews stuff and the everything else. And if we weren't as offensive enough, I'm about to drop some truth bombs on you about the Asian community in the United States of America, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> because it's true. It's absolutely true. You ready for it? Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Now, when President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a vaccination center in Arizona, I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. Thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. It's the Jesse Kelly Show. The Oracle is here. The Shogun. Well, today, the doctor. Here to guide you through the important things in life. Here's one. Dr. Jesse, I am a child care provider in need of your wisdom. If a young boy asks me why he can't fight another boy, what should I say? As long as things don't get out of hand, I actually think it could be good for boys to rough things out a little. With that said, if I tell him the wrong think thing, I could lose my license. The mommying of boys goes against what I believe, and I believe it's one of the problems in society. I'm torn on what to do. One, you are 100% right. This overly protective mommying up of boys is horrible for society. Absolutely terrible. It's part of what has brought this country to its knees. It's part of what brought us down in COVID. I have to protect young Braden, and Jaden. It's terrible. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Kids get bumps, bruises. Boys are different than girls. Boys fight all the time. All the boys are just a different breed. I remember when my sons were younger. They. What am I talking about? Younger. I think this was last week. They're in the pool, and I run out and I yell at them, "Get out of the pool!" And they look at me, and without responding to what I said, they said, we're filling up our mouths with water and seeing who can make each other laugh and then spitting on the other guy. I said, I'm sorry, what? 
I'm sorry, what? I didn't even have the heart to say anything. I just slumped my shoulders and turned around and walked back inside. And the last I heard was them laughing hysterically as they were spitting pool water on each other. Boys are animals. And yes, in reality, it's very good and healthy for boys to fight. To learn how to defend yourself. To stand up for yourself against a bully. Not run and tell mommy. Not run and tell the teacher. Let's have a fight. Nobody's going to get too hurt. Go meet on the grass out behind the gym after school. Everyone will show up because everyone likes to watch a fight, but that actually serves to make sure it can't get out of hand. Maybe a busted lip, broken hand, something like that. Not the end of the world. Do you have any idea how often boys will fight each other and end up becoming best friends with the one they fought simply by the elevated respect level? Win or lose of a fight like that, you're 100% right. It is good and right and healthy. In fact, this anti-bullying crap in this country, I believe it's part of the reason we have so many nutballs mass shooting at schools. You took away all the outlets for them. Tell mommy, tell the principal, tell the, well, okay, well, the kid's still going to get bullied because that's how life works. Now he's going to get it even worse because you rent and told mommy. Soon you do it for 18 years, he loses his mind and goes to school with a weapon. Go have a little scrap and come on back, call it a day. But all that aside, no, you can't say that. Don't lose your livelihood over something like that. If you can't tell him, make sure you tell the teacher, then just tell him that's something you'll have to discuss with your parents. Don't lose your livelihood over that. You can't change the world by losing your job. That ain't going to help anybody. Dear handsome Oracle, I need your knowledge. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What, Chris? I want to buy a semi-automatic rifle to protect my family. I'm a homeowner. I live in Connecticut, and I don't have any desire to obtain a pistol permit. What would be your suggestions? Yes, I promise I'll buy plenty of ammo. Big fan of your show. Says I can use his name. His name is Adam. I am not a gun expert. I know, yeah, I know quite a bit about guns. I have shot them quite a bit. That's just how I grew up and then the Marine Corps thing and everything else. But I do not consider myself to be an expert, mainly because I'm friends with so many of these Green Beret types. And these guys, like I like I said, I know guns. And they speak in a language I don't understand half the time. Well, if you shave off the velocity of the fact that it's just like, uh, I'm sorry, what? But I will say this. Because I lean on the knowledge of my betters a lot, most, if not all, of these guys have told me defending your home, that kind of scenario, a 300 blackout. Go buy a blackout. It's essentially a, I don't want to nerd out here too much on weapons, it's a 5.56 five, round, like a normal 5.56 five, you'd be used to, but it's shorter. So when you see the round, it looks like a shorter rifle round. And it's 5.56 five, by 45 is what they are. And what they are is 100 meters and in, just absolutely filthy deadly. Filthy deadly. And look, full disclosure, I have one. I just got one. 
20, 30-round mags. I'd recommend 30-round mags for your home, 20-round mags if you're going to haul it in your vehicle. But if you're going to haul it in your vehicle, remember, never, ever, 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 ever leave it in your vehicle, ever. Make sure it's in a book book bag or some kind of bag you carry with you at all times. You don't realize how good car thieves are today. I was just hanging with my buddy Luis yesterday. He was telling me about the time he got his truck broken into during a 15-minute stop at Starbucks, and they took everything in his truck and bailed, and he had no idea. Sitting in a Starbucks parking lot. But 300 blackout. There's your weapon. There's your weapon. It's actually classified, at least mine is, as a pistol. Maybe I'll put it up online so people can see what it is. Maybe not, though. Maybe not, though, Chris. Maybe not. It's my, it's my boy. It's my boy. Got a little red dot scope on there. Even the wife, even the wife who normally rolls her eyes about stuff like that, and I put the single point sling on it, and I've got it all set up. Even she looks at it and goes, okay, that's pretty cool. It's pretty slick. It's very, very slick. And this is the best part of the 300 blackout. It's something your woman can shoot too. Because the caliber is light enough, and yet the weapon is heavy enough, it's going to look, look, the appearance of it, if she's inexperienced, is going to be intimidating. But She'll shoot it one time and realize, wow, this is nothing. There's not going to be hardly any recoil for her, especially if you get a little red dot or green dot on the top of it, a little optic. I mean, there, there's, there, it's absurdly accurate. She's going to squeeze the trigger two or three times, hit what she's aiming at, and there's nothing better for her to grab. If you know, you're out of town, a bad guy comes in, than that weapon. That bad guy's going to die. Jesse. Who would you rather fight, Japanese soldiers during World War II or Comanche Indians during the Texas Indian Wars? Mm. Mm-mm. Well, let's just let's agree on one thing right now. Both of them, the Japanese in World War II and the Comanches, had a real cruelty streak running through them. Let's just both agree you wouldn't want to be captured by either. Okay? And understand this. This was not unusual, that whole save the last one for yourself thing. During the Comanche and the Apache Wars, American troops would do that. They would save their last bullet if they could for themselves because you don't get captured by these people. You just do not. The Comanches themselves, I read this one story about it. I know it's horrible. It's It's hard to even listen to, but they took a newborn baby and dragged it around behind a horse to kill it. I mean, just like real extra cruel. But who would I rather fight? You know what? I have an answer. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. I hate beats. And I mean hate beats. My mother used to jar them when I was a kid, and I'd have to leave the house. I can't even stand the smell of them. So when I had a buddy tell me about super beats, heart shoes, I laughed in his face. (laughs) I don't care how good they are for you, pal. You can save all that. I'm not eating beats. And he told me. They don't taste anything like beets. Just try them. Just try them. And I'm here to tell you, 
they don't taste anything like beets. I eat two of them with my dinner every single night, and I look forward to them. I have them lined up right next to each other, sitting by my glass with dinner time. It's my dessert. Go. Be proactive taking care of your heart and your blood pressure. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third bag free. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. I will answer your question here in a second. But back to my. I have to finish up my topics on the on the offensive racial conversations I routinely have on the show. There's a reason they had to stop admitting Asians into Harvard. Think about that. There were so many Asians that qualified for Harvard. They stopped admitting them because the entire student body was going to be Asian. Why do you think that is? Well, let's have a real conversation here because we don't dance around things on this show. I'm here in Texas. I will tell you, every donut shop, nail salon, and dry cleaner is owned and run by Asians. You walk in, it's not just him, it's not just her. It's the it's entire family units work in this place. Mother, father, sisters, brothers, and if there's a child, the child is almost always in there too, playing with a toy or so. Strong family units taught the value of hard work, taught about money, interest, running a business, spending, buying. That results in some really, really, really successful people. I say this all the time about Jews, how I don't understand the the heavy anti-Semitism out there, not because I'm a sensitive person. Everybody knows I'm an insensitive jerk. What's not to like? Strong family units. Oh, they're all doctors and lawyers. Well, yes, you know, I'm happy to make those jokes and I make them on the air on this show. Yeah. They're all intelligent, hardworking, successful, learning about the value of money. Which part of this am I supposed to not like? Which part of this am I supposed to not admire? That's a good thing. All cultures are not equal. And if there is a culture out there or cultures like Asians in America that is more successful routinely than other cultures, maybe that's something we can all look to and admire. I'll tell you another one. Black people from the Caribbean are statistically the most successful people in the United States of America. Why do you think that is? Strong, absurdly strong family units, starting small businesses, kids involved early. Maybe it's not about skin color. Maybe it's about mom, dad, kids, hard work, value of money. Maybe, just maybe, that produces successful adults. And a priority on schooling. What's that old Jewish joke, Chris? 
They don't, uh, Jews don't recognize the viability of a baby until he becomes a doctor or something like that. There's something, some kind of joke like that. I probably screwed it up. It's funny. It's a funny old racial stereotype joke. It's also really cool. Yeah. Go to school. Get good grades. Do well. Which part of that am I not supposed to like? All cultures are not equal. And the ones who are doing better than others, let's look to them and maybe copy some things, huh? Maybe there's, maybe there's, hear me out here, maybe there's a recipe for success that involves a small, uh, a, a strong family unit. I know that's crazy. Chris, that's not right. We can't say, Chris said, Chris made a Jewish joke. He said, what do you call a failed Jewish doctor? A lawyer. That's not right, Chris. You can't say that. But in all seriousness, this is why I don't get this. I don't have to view all cultures as equal. As you know, I despise the Aztec culture. I, I just can't I can't wrap my mind around that level of child sacrifice and hurting kids and people celebrating it. I don't have to sit here and act like that's an admirable culture. I think that's despicable. I think it's garbage. I don't have to pretend like that's good. If you're a culture today or, or in yesteryear, if you're a culture that treats women like cattle, I don't have to act like your culture is good. I don't have to act like it's admirable. I don't have to act like I want it at all. All cultures are not equal. That is a lie. That is a watered-down American cultural Marxist lie to try to get you to believe that you shouldn't stand for anything, and if you do, you're intolerant. Your culture should absolutely, as one of its base tenets, Stand for strong family units, mother, father, so on and so forth. Now, that doesn't mean life's perfect. Life is the definition of imperfect. But in general, if that's what your culture has, your culture is going to be successful. And in general, if that's not what your culture has, you're going to struggle. Period. End of story. There. Now everyone's offended. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. You're welcome to email me your love, plenty of your hate, your death threats, your ask Dr. Jesse questions. Chris, I'd say between doing a Civil War topic today and then offending everybody with all the racial talk and then offending everybody with the women's basketball talk, this may break the record for most hate mail we've ever gotten on the show. And that's quite a record. That is quite a record. Jesse. Would you rather fight a Japanese soldier during World War II or Comanche Indians during the Texas Indian Wars? I would rather fight a Comanche Indian, and here's why. As you know, I love Comanches. I'm a huge Indian fan, especially the warrior ones. But for me, it's more of an environment thing than anything else. Maybe that's cheating you out of your question, and I don't mean to do that. But they're both absurdly capable. The Comanches may be the best horsemen ever next to the Mongols. But I would rather fight in the plains and in the desert any day of the week over the jungle. The jungle the jungle itself can kill you without anyone else helping. That's one thing we didn't even talk about. We don't talk about it enough when we do our uh, War in the Pacific stories and things like that. All these things these guys are doing. Fighting, digging in, bayonets, shooting, artillery, all these terrible things and death and all around you and stuff like that. One thing we don't dwell on at all 
almost all of these guys, and I mean like 100%, went through severe bouts of dysentery while they're doing this because of the jungle. And I'm here to tell you, I had dysentery. I got it in Thailand, of course, in the jungle. In peacetime, not in any danger at all. None. And it was awful. Absolutely awful. It's debilitatingly awful. It's Believe me, I'm going to spare you the details on my dysentery story, but you don't, you don't travel more than a minute or two's walk away from a bathroom. You do not, let alone dig in in a remote Japanese island. Oh, it's the middle of the night. I have to go every two minutes. Okay, where are you going to go? You're going to go right there where you have to live in your fighting hole? Well, no, I can't do that. Okay. You crawling out of there in the dark by yourself? Just yesterday, one of your buddies did that. They found him chained up to a tree. He got bayonet tortured before he died. You're not doing that. We don't talk about the little things like that. The jungle brings little things like that. We don't talk about, in Thailand, we would pick up centipedes, foot-long centipedes. Do you know what these centipedes do? You know what centipedes do in the wild? I'm not making this up. They will crawl into a cave that's full of bats and dangle. And they're so poisonous, they wait for a bat to fly by, and they just grab one and shink, inject him with poison, and the bat just dies, and the centipede eats it all. A foot long, Chris, yes, a foot long. Cobras slithering in front of us. It's just... No, on the jungle. Absolutely not. All right. It's time to go back to ancient Egypt. Hang on. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This no guest thing, Chris. I like it when it's all about me. I don't know why we what? I don't know why we take the focus off of me. Who wouldn't want to focus on me? 
Remember, the whole show is podcasted after the show is done on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and on iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating after you subscribe and leave a review talking about how handsome I am. At last glance, we were over 600 of those. (laughs) And the podcast numbers are obviously through the roof. The radio numbers are through the roof. The show's expanding across the country. And I just have to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm not surprised. What, Chris? We're awesome. Dr. Jesse, the year is 1000 BC and you are a mere peasant in Egypt. You decide what you want to make a name. You decide you want to make a name for yourself and you tame a wild beast as a personal pet. This pet will walk around with you everywhere like a guard dog. What animal will you choose? Nothing is off limits. I'm assuming I'm assuming that I can train any animal I want, right, Chris? For the purpose of the exercise, I can have any one. What? It has to be a real animal, Chris. We're not training unicorns or hydras here, man. Come on. A real animal? I say a silverback gorilla. Tell me what would be cooler than a silverback gorilla, and hear me out. Here's why. They're frightening. They're absurdly powerful. They can easily kill a couple people if they want. Yes, that's right, Chris. They're smart. They have opposable thumbs. They can grab you can grab stuff for me if I want. Hey man, grab me a watermelon, you know, and he can carry it over to me. If I can train it, silverback gorilla. What, Chris? You you're thinking big cat or something, right? You thought about grizzly bear too. I I will tell you, I thought long and hard about grizzly bear. Grizzly bear would be sweet. Orangutan though, are you an idiot? Why would I go orangutan over a gorilla? No, they're not bigger, moron. Gorillas are bigger. Learn zoology, man. Gosh. Greetings, Genghis of the Gulf Coast. If If you could choose what careers your boys had when they grow up, what would you pick? Ugh. I don't know. My, my boys are going to be taught, and they already are taught, that you have an obligation as a man to provide for your family. And, and no, don't email me. Why the women do too? I don't, I don't care. As a man, I believe you have an obligation to provide for your family. I don't, and maybe this is wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't have some specific ambition for my kids. I want to make sure he's a, an astronaut or an engineer or a doctor or a, or a tradesman or any of these. If my if you told me right now, both of my kids would be electricians at 30, 35 years old, making 80, 90, 100 grand a year, raising good families, providing for your families. I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. I don't I don't obviously have anything against wealth. I have to make a little myself. It's not a huge thing of mine just because I don't have expensive vices. But I don't have anything against it. If they want to start their own business, get rich, do that, be an inventor, do something, all that stuff's fine. I don't have this burning desire for I want them to be millionaire doctors. I, I just that's not it. I want them to be hardworking working. 
successful, you know, providing for the women and children in their lives. And that's pretty much it. I just don't want them to be deadbeats. I don't want them to be bad people like I am. That's probably my biggest fear is that my kids will turn out like me. I would prefer it if my kids ended up a bit better than I am. Dr. Kelly, can civilians fight back against the military becoming woke? If so, how do you suggest it? I also heard China's cloning program is trying to get a hold of your DNA to make their army taller and more attractive. Watch your six. (laughs) Whoa, I heard that about China too, and all I have to say is I can hardly blame them. You're not getting any of my DNA though, China. Not sticking that stupid COVID test up my nose or... And the place they're sticking it up are diplomats. Did you see that story, Chris? Can you believe that? I can't. I'm still floored that American diplomats submitted to that. For those who aren't aware of it, we sent the Biden administration, we sent diplomats over there, and China tested them for COVID in in a different place than the nose. Who are we as a country? How do you agree to that as a diplomat? Uh, No, in fact, you can take that one and stick it up yours because you're not sticking it up mine, pal. I'm blown away by that. Anyway, what we can do about the military, we have a very tough road to hoe there because our education system is producing and has always produced the officer corps, the ones who lead the military. Well, once you've been filtered through America's university system, it's hard to not be a complete nutball. And... Republicans are not even close to being ready to take this issue on. They're just not. They're interested in taking on the commies right up to the point where it makes somebody uncomfortable or offends a, quote, suburban mom, and then they stop. That's why we fail. This never-ending appeal to the suburban mom who wants everything to be nice. and I have to make sure Bryce gets to soccer practice. You can't win back the country. You can't defeat the communists while trying to look nice doing it. It doesn't mean you have to fire blindly away, kind of like Trump did, at everything that moves at all times. You don't have to do that. But there's not a nice way to defeat these people. There's just not. There's just not. So that that was a long way of saying I'm not confident we can take back the military. We would have to win. We would have to win a presidential election and have a president use most of his focus on that issue because there's so much rotten filth in the Pentagon and in military leadership by now. You just have to walk in and start firing people, and that, it's tough. And it'd be especially because the American communist media would mobilize immediately and make every general who was fired out to be some kind of saint, what right does he have to fire General Joe Blow? It'd be terrible. Dr. Jesse, who complains more about their job, teachers or nurses? <laughs> The ner- this is what happened during the coronavirus thing. Nurses started putting out these online videos of doing dance routines and stuff like that, and it rubbed people the wrong way. It rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I kind of came at it from a different point of view. 
I don't really have an issue if a nurse blows off some steam, does a stupid dance routine because she's working hard. Nurses do work hard. I mean, nurses work hard. They work long hours, and it is quite literally a crappy job. They have to clean up poop. I I just, I'm not cleaning up poop. I can't, I can't bring myself to do that. But they have to do that stuff. Nurses have a tough job. I didn't mind that they blew off some steam. But I can definitely see why it rubbed people the wrong way. Your small business is shut down. Your kid can't go to school. All hail the saintly nurse. Oh, look at our new dance routine as we're telling everybody we're working hard. I I can see that. Teachers? I kind of get why teachers do it too. I could never be around other people's kids all day. All right, it's time to arm up a historical army. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Jake's Mint Chew will help you quit dipping tobacco. And here's the thing about help. I can't speak for women, but I know, guys, we don't like to ask for it. We don't like to seek it out. And I made this mistake a bunch when I was trying to quit dipping tobacco, and I dipped for years and loved it. I tried to just, well, I'm going I'm to just quit. I'll just put it down. I couldn't drive by a gas station without going in to buy more. It doesn't work that way. You don't have to be ashamed. People screw up. People make mistakes. You got yourself hooked on dip. It's not the end of the world. You just need some help. Jake's Mint Chew is here to help. They will get you out of it. It does work. I highly recommend the CBD pouches, by the way. Go to Jake's Mint chew.com that's jakes when you use the promo code jesse they give you 20 percent off What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine? It doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two-week period after the second vaccination. Yeah, we you have a death in the United States. You're not hearing what I'm saying about variants. We're talking about wild-type versus variants and what now proof reinf- there what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants none in our country zero well because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet we're having one can i finish we're well, having one one seven that's becoming more dominant policy based on conjecture no you it, have the it isn't based on conjecture variants so you some you want people to wear a mask for another couple years no you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. 
No. You can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask to have been vaccinated. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science right. to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. Okay. You want people to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Mm-mm-mm. Rand Paul getting spicy with Dr. Fauci. You know what, Chris? I need something in my life today. You know what I need? I need Governor Murphy of New Jersey going out to eat when he shouldn't have. Oh my God! Hey, how you oh doing? Oh my God, Murphy! How you doing? Such a you're having you fun are... with your family. In the meantime, you're having all kind of other bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm not drunk. As a matter of fact, well, you put your mask on. You can go yourself. How's that? Well, I don't need a mask on. You know why I don't need a mask? Because there ain't nothing. I like your Trump. I like your Trump. You know what? The day that video stops being funny to me is the day I will sign off for the last time on the radio because my sense of humor will officially have been removed from my body. Every part of it is just delicious. <laughs> Dear Sombrero Jesse, if I could give you today's guns to any army, if I could give you, t- if I could give today's guns to any army in history to completely change history, which army would it be and why? For the sake of the question, the army you give the guns to are fully trained on them, from pistols to sniper rifles, and they have plenty of ammo. Love your show and can't wait until your world-famous show makes it to Middle Tennessee. Ah. So it has to be to somebody to completely change history. So you have to go back to somebody who lost you wish would have won. Historically, who lost you wish would have won. All right, hear me out. Hear me out, everybody. I would give today's weapons to Germany in World War I. I believe... When you look at, because everyone knows, this is not exactly some groundbreaking take. Everyone knows World War II and the horror that came from World War II and and the rise of communism that came from World War I and just everything that happened because of that. It's better if Germany wins World War I. And look, look, here's another part of it. Forgetting about other countries, let's focus on America. Do you like our foreign policy now? Invade everywhere, stay everywhere? World War I was what started to change that. If you give Germany our weapons today in World War I, they not only win the war, they win the war quickly. They win the war with less loss of life. They win the war before America ever even thinks about getting involved in the war. 
And you don't have the rise of communism. That's 100 million more people. You don't have the Holocaust. You don't have all the Japanese atrocities they committed in China. Remember, we don't ever talk about it because we hate the Chinese today. Like 20%, I think the number is 20% of World War II casualties were Chinese. You think about the death and misery and poverty and, and all the things that came from Germany losing World War I and losing it after way too long. I say if you want to make the world better, it's a great question, by the way, and I know I'm going to stir up some hornets with that one. Chris, am I wrong? Tell me where I'm wrong. I know. I, I know. I, I, every time we do a World War I story, and maybe I'll do one on Monday because I love those, I think to myself, man, this would have worked out a lot better if the Germans had just won. We're not quite done yet. Hang on. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. The show has gone to a dark place during the break. Chris... Wanted to know why we couldn't just assassinate the Chinese diplomats at the meeting. Whoa, Chris. Whoa. Whoa. Chris over here trying to kick off World War III. We just got done with our great Civil War story at the beginning of the show. Talking about the horrors of warfare. Chris wants to go to war with China like now. Jeez, Chris. Freaking bloodthirsty, man. 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Email your love, your hate, your death threats, your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Don't worry if I didn't get to you. You didn't get thrown away unless your question was dumb and then you did. I still have questions from months ago. I'll get to them. Maybe, maybe next week we'll do an Ask Dr. Jesse rapid fire show where I just go through this stack of like 200 and try to kill him. I could do it really good like everything else, Chris. That's all.
The Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.